0: It's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 498 for August 10th, 2017, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. Well, I'm actually up in Santa Clara having just finished attending the Command D conference, so I'm on my road mic today. You may also hear some rattling around in the kitchen from my Airbnb roommates. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Shelley Brisbane and Steve. We're also under the flight path and near a train station, so this. It'd be great audio. But anyway, it's not going to matter because we have the fabulous Patrick Beja calling in from Finland for Chit Chat Across the Pond today. Patrick is those Ooh. mini...
1: <laughs> Patrick. Fabulous! I feel, I, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt your uh, your little intro here, but I feel like I must uh, compliment you on complimenting me. I'm very happy with the fabulous, fabulous. Uh, adjective.
0: <laughs> well, he's the host of many fine podcasts over at Frenchspin.com. My favorite of which is a political podcast, actually called the Phileas Club. You may also have heard him on Tom Merritt's Daily Tech News Show. Uh, but it's been two years since you've been on the show, Patrick. Uh, so welcome o- aboard.
1: You know, I I was I had always hoped that you would invite me for the four hundred and ninety eighth episode. <laughs> so uh my dream has been uh, fulfilled. So thank you very much for the invite. <laughs>
0: Is there a pen pen ultimate? I don't know. We'll see if we Oh.
1: <laughs> I might wait, stop at four ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good number to, to stop too.
0: <laughs> well, uh so I mentioned in the introduction that you're in Finland but you're French. You, can you talk a little bit about how that happens?
1: Uh, sure. Uh, well, I got married. Uh, <laughs> that happens. Um, so my wife is Finnish and, uh, she, we met in Paris and then she moved back to Finland and we had a long distance thing for a while and then she moved to Paris we stayed in Paris for a while and then we decided to move back to Finland, but then we stayed for a few months in Japan and now we're mostly in Finland, but also in France as well. And uh, I also spent some time in the US. So yeah, I, I don't know if that's the answer you were looking for, <laughs> but uh, mainly my wife is finished and we enjoy spending spending time here. Although the summer has been really cold. I'm frustrated. Cold, with cold summer, thing. huh? For Well... I guess even for Finland, it wasn't very warm, so um the people are are very angry, and I don't know if it has to do with uh, climate change, but if that's uh you know how it's going to be from now on. Not sure I'm going to like finish finish summer all that much. <laughs> Maybe winter is over right.
0: Yeah, you expect it then, right? Well, yeah. shockingly, this is uh, is not actually the weather in Finland show. Even though I walked us right into that, <laughs> um, I wanted to get you on the show because I've been noticing something, uh, a, a trend happening, and then I started listening to you and realized it wasn't my imagination. When Steve and I were at CES the last couple of years, we started to notice more and more uh, people staffing the booths were representing French tech products, and it seemed like there was a shift happening here that there was a, an increase in um, focus from the French people on uh, on technology, or else just telling us about all the cool stuff they were already doing. But is is that my imagination, or is something actually afoot here?
1: Um, so, I mean, if we're going to talk about CES specifically, um, there is definitely this. Uh, initiative by the previous French government. I know you have a couple of questions about uh, the new president, Macron, uh, in the uh, for the rest of the show. But even with the previous government, uh, there was an active initiative called French tech to market and promote uh, French tech entrepreneurs around the world. And of course, that means CES as well. So I think that is probably most of the I want to say visible, but really it's like one of the easiest things to point to, to um, explain that French uh, tech companies are maybe a little bit more visible in the U.S. There's a a serious effort um, that is government led. But beyond that, I've always felt as well that French uh, people, France was maybe a little bit more represented than other uh, nationalities. I think specifically in Silicon Valley, um, and if I look at the, you know, what I know, which is the podcasting landscape, um, and and maybe your listeners can think about that as well, how many non-American or maybe English uh, people do they know from the podcasting world? And maybe it's my bias because I'm French, but I mean... I I know myself (laughs) in the podcasting (laughs) world. Um, There was Loic Lemur who was uh, appearing on podcasts uh, when he was very active, but that's another person. I have a friend who's uh, Jeff Clavier, although he's now become an American citizen, but he uh, is originally French and he's a a VC, a venture capitalist in Silicon Valley, and he's quite active. Um, And so, of course, that's not a huge amount of people, but it's still, I think, more than spanish uh people or german people you know that kind of uh uh, uh that kind of thing um
0: yeah, it's, it's I, funny you would say that because it, i feel like podcasting at least tech podcasting i have certainly met more people outside of the u.s than i ever met in my regular life that's for sure
1: yeah but i mean from people outside of the u.s what nationalities are those people
0: they're all you know? from Belgium. Uh, I know three Belgian oh, tech right. podcasters. So yeah, you know, uh Bart's from Belgium and uh uh Nightwise and um oh Steve uh what's it, what's his name? Our good uh Stefan Lasage. So I know three Belgian okay. podcasters. so uh, well, you know, what's up with Belgium?
1: Yeah, maybe that's the question we should really be asking. Uh <laughs> um, those guys doing I mean, <laughs> it's it's um we have I mean, I can't really speak for Belgium, although, of course, you know, there are cousins to the north and we love them very much. But um, for France, I can definitely uh, I think I can say definitively that there is a significant love for tech and engineering in France. And there has been for a long time, a long ish time. Um, ever since computers have been a thing, you've o- and even before that, you've always had, um, you know, a tradition of, I think it might stem from, uh, you know, research and fundamental research and, math- and mathematics and stuff like that, that translated into computer science. Um, and of course, it's not everyone in, in the country, but there are a lot of computer science nerds and uh engineers and that's something that we uh, I I feel we really uh value uh for as an industry and as a, an activity.
0: So that brings up a question. What can you talk about the the way education works in in France for the the upper level classes in in engineering and computer science? Is that something easy to do um, is that how does that work
1: yeah i mean i i i'll be honest i don't know how it works in other uh, countries so i i couldn't really compare but we definitely have i myself um did a uh i don't know how you call them the two year courses short okay. uh, courses um for computer science and uh programming and i actually have uh my you know a degree in coding programming whatever oh, it you was do. you know yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, it was 20 years ago. But, uh, <laughs> well, but I, I just do. showed
0: I, a chart at Command D of uh, my master's degree being in 1982, and my last programming was Fortran 4 with Watt 5 in 1982. Jeez. So, you know,
1: <clears throat> yeah, 20 years. Don't <laughs> but, waste my time. That's like yesterday. <laughs> well, 19, 1992, you said. No, 1982. Oh, 82. All right, yes, sure. Okay, you win. You win this one. Um, you win this one, Sheridan. But um but I mean for for uh for me it's it there's definitely a feeling that we are good programmers, we're good coders, and it's easy to if you want to do that, it's not necessarily that you have to go through, you know, four years of uh, general studies, or two years, and then you pick a major, and then whatever you can just go right to the thing, and we're going to teach you how to do it. And we have, um, you know, that uh, school that's pretty famous called Forty Two. Um, mm,
0: yeah, I- have you heard it? I have heard of it. Can you? But people in the audience may not have.
1: So it's a school that has been uh, created by a, uh, a a businessman who is the owner of free which is a telecom company very successful telecom company um, and he is a giant nerd and he opened a school that is super weird I mean the way it works is all collaborative like there's Martin some teaching but not a lot of teaching it's all uh, self, uh, uh, collaboration and self-learning, and guided by the the teachers, of course. Um, and they're actually opening one in uh, in the Silicon Valley. I think it's open now, and they're offering uh, the the tuition to I think most of the students, or at least some of them. Um, and and it's kind of a hacker mentality of of, of you know computer scientists and. That isn't just uh, from him. Like, it's existed for as long as I can remember. When I was studying myself, I had many friends who were at uh, EPITA, which is, if you talk to anyone about around 35, 40, you know, my generation in France, they're going to know, or, and who's into computers, they're going to know what EPITA is. It was this crazy, uh, constant tech frat party uh but not frat party in the bad sense of the words it was like chaotic and weird and everyone was you know hanging hanging out there all the time and they had like coding sessions that would never end and it was super hard but you know it's like boot camp for coding which is i think some of what uh the school 42 is um is is recreating but even more hardcore um Isn't it also
0: tuition-free, which I think is a crazy thing?
1: Yeah, that's what I I was referring to. Um, I'm not sure, I I wasn't sure it was fully tuition-free, but it's basically being funded, I think, by a number of uh, tech companies in the U.S. And so if you manage to get in, you don't have to pay for tuition, which is probably some of the, you know, French... Uh, in the socialist influence. Yeah, I was gonna uh, that, say to you, that, tuition
0: uh, free is just like what that's called college, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Our basically>. university. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's. But yeah, wow. so there's there's this this weird hacker chaotic culture that is also uh you know it, working in parallel with more traditional uh college experiences or or two uh, year ter- uh, two year uh, uh, college uh, degrees, which is what I did. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say if you are a, uh, uh, interested in computer sciences, there are many, many ways for you to, uh, turn that into a job in, in France for sure.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I I love the idea of that. Uh, it's pretty cool that they're
1: doing some of it in the U S we could certainly use that. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I think, you know. yeah, no, sorry, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, you know, there's this, I mean, uh, um, oh, what's his name? God, the CEO of 42 of Free. Oh, oh I'm it's I'd in like French. Saying, it's I can't look card. it up. <laughs> yes, of course. Wait, I, I have to look it up. Uh, I, I have to look it up. Sorry. It's going to make for very poor Xavier Niel. Yes. It's basically forgetting the name of Elon Musk or something. Oh, okay. Um, so get, <laughs> yeah. He's not that brilliant. And he's sort of I think would like to think of himself as the French Steve, Steve Jobs <laughs> somehow he's certainly not that but uh he is uh very um active like he when they arrived on the French um mobile service uh, scene they broke the market in the sense that there were 3 companies doing it before and they uh they had essentially unspoken agreements on non-competitive clauses that they were enforced without, because of course it's illegal, uh, without, you know, uh, uh, doing it too overtly. But when that company started, they divided co- prices of subscriptions by two or three. And it's remained the case since then with still uh, very good service. Um, so he's kind of a militant kind of guy. Um, and I think there's some of that in his opening, uh, forty-two, the forty-two school in the U.S. There's part of a little bit of megalomania, maybe you know, he wants to go and do stuff in the U.S. because, of course, everyone is you know, it's the El Dorado uh, <laughs> for for everyone. Um, but also, I think it's uh, militant, like it's militant action. He wants to do something that's good with all the money he has. So,
0: oh, that's interesting. The word militant to me means. Uh, strict uh more like military when i hear but you you mean like Mm. wanting to change the world
1: yeah i think maybe that's a a, yeah the word we use in french might be a little bit different militant would be um if the way we use it in french would be like super active and like oh an activist yeah i guess active activist yeah maybe that's the word activist okay yeah
0: Yeah, picturing it being really strict (laughs) and marching in here and getting it done well, maybe he did that too, but that's probably not what you meant.
1: Maybe he did that too, but maybe activist is more of a, a, a good fit for that uh, that description.
0: So something like School Forty Two, though, that's just a tiny little piece, right? I mean, that's not educating thousands of, of French people every year.
1: Uh, I think it's probably close to thousands. Oh, probably, really? Certainly hundreds. Oh, wow. I, I would okay. guess hundreds. Um, okay, I would guess hundreds. I, I maybe not thousands, but maybe I'm being, uh, I'm being too optimistic. Um, but, uh, but I know, I mean, the reason I'm talking about it so much is that it's more of a representation of the relationship between France and, uh, computer sciences and computers in general. It's not so much for the school itself, uh, but more for more to explain to listeners that there's a, a deep, uh, it's kind of like talking about MIT or, you know, these schools in the U.S. It doesn't mean that everyone goes to MIT, but there's this aura, this love for that um, that kind of... Uh, of Institution. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I see. And there's uh, there's 2,500 uh, students in Paris and 2,000 in, in Fremont, California. Oh, wow. uh, I'm sure, you know, it's like over a couple of years, but so it's still... Um, uh, it's not a insignificant good number every year yeah
0: yeah yeah okay well that's pretty cool i'd love to see that keep going yeah. so um because of the phileas club uh, again can't say enough good stuff about the phileas club if you want to learn no. about the political landscape in all different countries and just have your eyes opened about what's going on in saudi arabia or in sweden or wherever it's, it's really really interesting show um but through that when you were talking about um about france uh, a couple of uh, i don't know it was probably 6 months ago i learned that there's interesting challenging uh, challenges with the French labor laws and that it's, it's hard to get companies to come there. Um, but now, I don't know if this is related, but the new French president, Macron, uh, he launched a French tech visa program to woo the tech industry.
1: Yeah, I think there's... Uh, I mean, he's basically being called whether that's good or not, you can decide. But he's kind of the startup president, like he's all... His his opponents would describe him as like hipstery, tech, uh, cosmopolitan, urban kind of guy. As though that's uh, an insult. Young right? and going like, yeah, as yeah, basically. <laughs> but I mean, I I certainly think that's a good thing. But he's kind of of betting a lot on the idea that we're going to be able to um, uh, get the economy going through uh, these kinds of initiatives and uh, the tech visa for france is one of those attempts at uh, trying to get the people who have good ideas who want to do stuff who are entrepreneurs um to come to the country and uh you know start stuff and and start stuff for our economy i don't know how well it's going to work out but i'm i i think it's a good idea I, i i guess we'll have to wait and see how it actually works out yeah, it,
0: that's you know certainly a contrast to uh, some of the stuff that's going on here with visas going the other direction for for uh, yeah, people it, from it's other very countries.
1: interesting in and I've been uh, seeing some articles that you know beyond the anecdotal uh, uh, you know outburst of this or that anti-immigration or the tech companies saying we need immigration for these and that uh, that and this uh, case I've seen articles that study the appeal of American companies uh, for immigrants. And it seems that it's been very rocky in the past few months. So it is having a, an actual effect. And I think uh, some of the, the branding, I think it's also branding that President Macron has been trying to do to, he he just believes that one of the areas of growth for the economy, which, you know, France is a weird country because We're really in the situation that our geographical position would suggest, meaning we're really between the north where the economy is going well and the south where the economy is not going well. We're sort of stagnating. And a lot of people were thinking, you know, after the uh, financial crisis a few years ago, people were thinking, well, you know, that's it. France is going to go the route of Greece and Spain. And it didn't happen at all. We, we you know, we're not in <laughs> so great you can shape. Stagnant. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Turn because yeah, I mean, most people know how it's been going for those countries. Um, so it, it's kind of a, a weird position that we're in, and but we're not we're not growing very much. So Macron is looking at what works and what can uh, create sustainable, uh, you know, dynamics for the future. And tech is certainly one of those uh you know one of those things that we could try, especially given what we were talking about earlier, which is that uh, fertile soil of tech enthusiasm and and tech uh um know how and knowledge um and and certainly our geographical position is also. Uh, extremely favorable. We're smackdown in the middle of Europe. It's a crossroads for everyone. And given the uh the the fact that the UK is kind of retreating, um, there's an opportunity here. It's e- either gonna be France or Germany. I was gonna that say is Germany. Going to yeah. Be, yeah. So so Macron is kind of going like all right, this is our chance. We should really do everything we can to transform this into an opportunity for us. And the French Tech visa is part of that mindset, I think.
0: Yeah, now, you also mentioned in uh, in the Phileas Club that you've got a, a high unemployment rate amongst younger people. and so maybe taking the assumption that perhaps the younger people would be more able to to take classes and learn uh, learn to program and and get involved in that that might be a, a a really sweet fit right
1: yeah i mean it's the the unemployment issue in france is really difficult because our our education system uh, that might contradict what i was saying earlier but um it's kind of a weird a weird uh <laughs> for for things like computer science i think we're good but i don't think everyone is is there there are maybe not enough uh spots for everyone, or maybe they're not uh qualified enough to go into those uh colleges. I'm not sure. But yeah, it the, the unemployment issue is is large and the education is not completely uh foreign to that issue. Um yeah, I mean <sighs> I don't I think it's it goes beyond tech. I think that might be uh something that is not just about tech and uh and isn't even so much related to tech.
0: Hmm. Okay. Okay. So I, I yeah. Go ahead.
1: No, I, I I'm I'm afraid I don't know uh well enough uh how the, the you know youth unemployment, which is very high, connects to the specifically tech education uh, area. Certainly there's an issue with education. We have a lot of, it's, it's quite theoretical for a lot of what we do. Um, that's something that you feel very, uh, clearly when you look at the way things work in other countries, be them in Europe or, you know, uh, uh, the U.S., for example, we often say that, uh, you know, Americans are, uh, less knowledgeable, you know, that's the stereotype. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, there's, they're less knowledgeable about uh, general culture. At least we, we learn, you guys learn less than we do uh, in, let's say, call it, uh, high, um, high school and, and junior high. We learn uh, about the wars. Then, <laughs> I'm funny. sure you do, yes. Uh, but then that. what we learn is a lot of, you know, we know a lot of things that some people might consider useless. Um, you know, we learn a lot about history and philosophy, and you know, uh, there's a lot to cover. I guess for us, for maybe more than for you guys. Um, but then there That's are. It's really things handy like, having your
0: history only be a couple hundred years.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. U.S. history didn't uh, I long mean, to I'm, talk sure, talk about. I'm sure you guys learn about all of it, but I mean, the the way we we approach it is much more like these are things you need to know, hmm. right? And and it's not you don't learn so much uh how to handle things handle situations i guess is a it's it's a little bit of a caricature but i think it's a it's a fair caricature to make we learn uh uh knowledge we 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 learn things not practical know-how um
0: well, I, don't, too, I don't think you guys extent. are alone in that yeah, I, I got my uh my bachelor's degree from uh university of california at Irvine and uh when i got out of school i couldn't do anything really i mean i had no, i didn't have any practical knowledge i had things like uh well i ended up taking five quarters of physics so i you know learning schrodinger's equation that's come out really handy <laughs> you know in my day-to-day life uh you know it took two years of calculus with all these uh you know derivatives and all that and uh i i did one integral since I got out of college, that was two years of my life. <laughs> you, I, I've yeah. done one integral since, then. and I was a practicing engineer. You know, it just didn't come up as often yeah. as I thought. So uh, I, I think,
1: yeah, I, I think it's the same for us in in universities. We have really good universities, um, and and there, yeah, we have really good universities and and higher education. What I was talking about, I think, was more uh, high school. You know, okay. that kind of um, that kind of level. And I think that might be one of the reasons like we have 30 hours of classes every week and then you have the homework on top of that, which is a couple of hours a day at least. Um, And you just have to remember so much stuff. But the practical things, you know, it's it's silly, but things that I've learned my uh, my wife has done in high school in home ec uh, classes, we don't have home economics. We don't mm. learn how to balance a budget. We don't learn how to, uh, you know, sew something that is, uh, uh, that you know, a button that you need to sew. You, we don't learn how to cook. Like when I say how to cook, maybe in France you like absorb the knowledge by osmosis because food <laughs> is so important. But um, like how to do a good meal, what you need to have in a good meal. You don't really learn practical things like that. You might learn... Uh, about, you know, vitamins and different types of food in biology, but you don't oh, learn right, practical right. knowledge, which I don't know how that is related to the previous conversation we were having. But,
0: <laughs> but I'm going to continue down that thread anyway. Um, I've, I'm pretty sure this is a story I've never told on the, on the podcast before, which is unusual uh, after how long I've been yapping. But uh, when I was in sixth grade, I was forced to take home economics and you could not have found a, a, a student less interested in the topic. I'm learning to sew, and I'm learning to make a white sauce, and it's just like, ah, this is horrible. But the boys were all over in shop, in wood shop. I was like, well, I want yeah. to take shop. And picture, I'm 11 years old, and I petitioned to the to the uh, principal that I wanted to take shop. I didn't want to take home economics. And I remember him saying, okay, you can do it, but only if you uh, talk a boy into switching with you. And I did, so I got to go over and take nice. woodshop, while a boy got to go over and take uh, take uh, home economics. I, I was much more comfortable in woodshop. I gotta tell you.
1: Well, we do get woodshop, uh, but I mean, we did at least when I Just was. Just the boys when or did there. the girls get to do it too? No, I'm pretty sure it was everyone. And okay. if it wasn't, I can guarantee you that's not the case anymore. It would okay. be mixed in both cases. And um when, you know, I'm talking about Homec in in Finland where my wife went to uh high school, I can guarantee you that is both boys and girls as it should be. <laughs> you right, know. And right. you know, even when I'm I'm thinking about it now, I'm like, sometimes I think about you know, my wife says, Oh, you know, we're gonna do something and, and I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Like work a- around the house and I have no idea. She learned it in school, and oh, so she wow. does. She does all the work around around the house. I do. I'm like, I'm gonna go shopping. That's what <laughs> I do. I love it.
0: Well, are there any particular tech industries that are are prominent in France, or is it just general tech? Is it is it more on the programming side? Are there cool hardware gadgets coming out? What do you what are you seeing?
1: I think it's everything. Um, we're seeing like. We things is a French company that uh, Nokia oh, yeah. bought. Um, we have, I mean, we have. Oh, do so do you within, remember things
0: scale? Those are yeah. I, I did I'm not pretty know it's sure French.
1: they're French, right? Uh, I'll look that up while you are talking. maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, am I saying something? You make stuff up, yeah, you know?
0: Maybe I'm making stuff up. Withings, oh headquarters in France, Europe,
1: in France. Ici les Moulins, France. Yes, they are French.
0: Exactly. That's what I was going to say.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> I took four um, so years yeah, of high you know, school
0: French, and I could not have pronounced that. <laughs> See, I learned all kinds of practical stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, do you remember the? Do you know what the MiniTel is? I'm sure you do. No, no, oh, you don't. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your mind right now. Um, MiniTel is uh, uh, basically a terminal that was developed by uh, Fran- Fran- France Telecom, France Telecom um back in the 80s uh back when you guys had bbss and stuff like that i mean probably a little bit earlier let me find the uh the dates there for the first minitel um and they developed it kind of um Let's see the date. Built in 1982, it was a terminal uh, that had basically a screen, a uh, a keyboard and an all-in-one and a modem. You would plug it into your phone line. And there was a number of services that you could access via the Minitel. Um, And that you would like dial a certain number and you would connect to it. And it was kind of like a BBS. uh, But there were a number of different services, including commercial services that developed. Uh, Many people will remember the um, uh, erotic chats. (laughs) <laughs> that uh, teenagers at the time might have connected to that were very expensive because you would have to occupy you know it was you had to pay for the phone line, and not all of them were uh, overcharged, but some you, you still had to pay for every minute you were connected back in the day you know you didn 't have um, all you can eat i guess uh, um, subscription to landlines uh, even in in those days um, and so that was developed countrywide and most people had one of those, oh in their really, home. oh wow, yes,
0: so I, it was basically not... like, like this massive set of chat room things going on,
1: yes, there were you know chat rooms and different like uh b b s type things you would connect to, and like just kind of like the b b s s but there were um uh like phone directory and databases and message boards and information services, uh, train tickets you could, could be purchased like this and a, a ton of stuff. And I can't I don't know if I can find the numbers, but um, it was used by 25 million people out of a total population of 60 million. Wow. Um, and and so that was towards the end of its life when the Internet started becoming really um, uh, popular. But in 96, uh, t- you know, that was the tail end of the thing. Um, there were 26,000 different services available from 10,000 companies, and most of them were French only. Wait, wait, um, these were
0: all services on the tail? you're saying? Yes. Oh, yeah, wow. Absolutely. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was so, almost like you had a little Internet.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a tiny internet. And I think it, it became very um uh easy to criticize towards the end of its life when we started discovering the internet, um, which I personally did in ninety three, ninety-two, ninety-three, uh in in college. Um but the reality is that the, the that that product was very much ahead of its time in the, the the concept, you know, and the commercialization of it. Um given how early it was, you know, in the eighties. It was oh, yeah. everywhere. It's
0: crazy.
1: So um so yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that that is uh, an example of how um uh, enthusiastic I think the French population is uh towards Tech stuff. I don't know that I can find lots of modern examples, um, but
0: but it does illustrate something. that for uh, quite a long time, France has had a, an obvious tech industry that was doing some interesting things. Right? That this isn't. It yeah. it, it almost sounds more. Oh, it's like- not
1: new. We had we had a, a, a Thomson uh, computer back in the eighties as well, mm-hmm. uh, like kind of like the ZX uh, Sinclair ZX Spectrum. Uh, that the the English had so we had our our own as well that was developed by a big French uh, computer company there's the parrot you know drones and um yeah. and headphones that's a french company as well oh it is uh, i didn't know that yeah okay Pretty sure again i don't want to say something yeah, uh, i'm going
0: to check you on everything but so far yeah, you haven't been yeah have yeah, yeah I, you
1: should yeah <laughs> I, I, <laughs> um but yeah so yeah there's definitely this uh this enthusiasm, I guess.
0: Yeah. It, well, from what you said or, uh, earlier, it sounds like maybe a big part of this is marketing now to, to draw in more companies to, and to enhance the tech industry there, not as much that it didn't exist and it just suddenly came out of nowhere two years ago. Everybody went, whoa, we could invent things too.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, so I think that's one of the issues that we have uh, in the country. Um, and yes, it was founded in Paris in 94, uh, Parrot. Okay. Okay. Um, And and the thing is, we have great education, higher education, including computer sciences. But I think it might suffer from, to an extent, uh, from the issue that we have all over our education, which is it stays very theoretical. Like it's fundamental Mm -hmm. research is great, and all of these, but we have kind of a hard time uh, transitioning from. The technical know how to the dynamic entrepreneurship, um, we certainly have entrepreneurs, and ironically, we have sort of a, um, a bad image of bosses in French, like the boss mm-hmm. is kind of it's bad to be a boss because you're you're exploiting the the workforce and you know to to in some people 's views obviously none of what i 'm saying applies to everyone but when you when, but it does exist and 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 the irony is that we have a huge amount of of entrepreneurs in France because we have a lot of small businesses like if you walk around in Paris you have uh you know pastry shops and bakeries and and cheese shops and like small enterprises that are all entrepreneurs um but for some reason, the transition between those small operations and the, the, the growth of them is really difficult for us. Um, we have big companies, like we have giant companies that are very efficient, including in tech uh, and services and stuff like that. Um, But those... Startup that startup culture exists, but it's not as dynamic as it it could be, and it doesn't know the successes that it could. If I don't know what could be different, but it it's not happening as much as we would hope. Um, so I think some of what. Uh, Macron and to be honest everyone has been looking at the tech industry and trying to figure out how to recreate the dynamic uh the dynamism of uh the silicon valley in other places including in paris but i think that's what uh macron is is trying to kickstart somehow
0: so i remember you talking about in france um the the labor laws have caused some interesting, interesting downsides to uh companies being able to bring in in businesses about uh long-term employment contracts essentially something along those lines yeah so i mean not just tech companies but i know other companies as well
1: yeah for all companies it's it's a huge huge societal debate that we've been having for decades and that once again uh the new uh government is going to try and address in the fall, and we're going to see how it goes. Because every time this tries to be addressed, you have uh, very powerful unions, and to be fair, a portion of the population that is vehemently opposed to this change changing. Um, And the, the key issue uh, that we have is that essentially, it is not possible for a company that has hired someone in a long-term contract to fire that person Oh. Okay. period
0: okay and you have to have it's, the long-term contracts too right
1: yes That's you can't the, have you can't someone working for you or yes. three
0: years or whatever
1: yeah well i mean you can but it's like there are lots of limits like you could uh have someone work for you in a uh set term contract which okay. could be three months, six months, one year, but you can renew that thing for the same job a couple of times, and then you have to hire them.
0: Okay, and Um, once you hire them, that is a long-term contract?
1: Yes, and that's it. And I mean, you can fire people in very complicated contexts of your company is not doing well and so you do a company-wide plan that that is very much overseen by authorities and your uh, partners like the the unions and the employees and you have it's a huge deal um and in at that point you can start firing people with a lot of um uh you know basically you give them a lot of money and they leave and it's it's you can't just walk into an office and tell someone not happy? Well, get out of here. You're fired. That is impossible. <laughs> okay. um, and, and the effect so, of that
0: is that there's that. That's part of what's increasing unemployment at the lower levels too, right? Like because nobody ever the, leaves a job.
1: That's the well. I mean, it's not even just that nobody ever leaves a job. It's, I think for employees, it is possible for you to leave. It's it's oh. even very easy. Oh, okay. um, if you want, I mean. If you just leave, you're probably not going to have an easy time because you're not going to have unemployment benefits, although you, you you have four months without unemployment benefits and then you can apply to get them anyway, even if you are the person who left. But um, if you want to go work somewhere else, obviously, it's very easy and all of this. But the issue, uh, according to some people, I don't, you know, I'm very careful of not um. Speaking for everyone, because other people would tell you the opposite. Uh, in 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 France, is that of course it creates a, uh, a chilling effect of people not wanting to hire people because if you do, you're like, Phew, what happens if things don't go work out in a couple of years? I can't fire anyone, you know. If I'm not, yeah, I can maybe coast, but if I want to start working differently or like, so it is also the chilling effect, which is a big uh, a big. Problem in the workforce, according to to a lot, some people will tell you that's not true. that has never stopped anyone from hiring people that that you know it might stop people it might stop, and we get back to that. We have the word patron in French, which is a boss uh it's not like patron in English um, so the bosses just want to make more money by firing people they don't need to streamline their business, which I think anywhere outside of France would sound like, you know, sound business practices. <laughs> and that just but, can't um, be done, right? And that, and you know, it's very, it's not that it can't be done, but it's a lot more difficult. Um, and, and the thing, the thing is, I was talking about the geographical position of the country and the fact that we have a lot of like every big tech company in the world has offices, significant offices in Paris. Uh, Facebook, Google, Apple, like they they're all here. Um, They might try to have as little employees as possible in Paris. But the 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 situation of France means that there is not it's you can't not be in France. We have a big population. We have like we're at the center. You can manage a lot of different countries from here uh, business wise. But so they can't not be here. But if they can, you know, make sure to have as if they need to commit to more employees, I think they would they would be reluctant to do it because they don't want to commit to it for forever, basically. Um, so some of right. the things that Macron is proposing is things like especially in the tech industry or in the gaming industry, you have things that work through projects like you're developing that new game or that piece of software that was, uh, you know, commissioned by another, by a, a client. And when you're in, in currently, you're in that situation, it's really hard to hire someone for that project because either you do it as a, as a fixed term and after three months or six months or whatever it is, if it's extended, you're effed. Um, if i mean if 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 you've if you're late in the project or whatever it doesn't really work um or you hire them for good and you'd better hope you get another contract after that because if not you have an, an employee and you're not you don't have anything for them to do um so one of the things he's proposing is project uh long term contract which means or oh. project contract which means you're there for the project however long it takes oh um, that's interesting and, so
0: if there's another project you can keep somebody on but you don't yeah. have to keep them if that project falls
1: apart. Yeah. And and a lot of people are saying, well, this can be abused and it can be, you know, people are going to use it to make, uh, we're very attached to social rights. And, and I have to admit, you know, rightfully so. We have uh, very progressive uh, social rights. We have you know, social security. We have five weeks of uh, vacation time. We have, um, uh, uh, like unemployment benefits that are really good. We have all of these. And I don't think people saying that, you know, well, you can't have it both ways. I don't think so. We're, if you look at studies, French, uh, employees are incredibly efficient. Like, the the we might work less, like we have the 35 hours work week, which is a little bit of a Oh, you slackers. <laughs> so that's the reaction of everyone. Before that, it was 39 hours, but I think 35 works as well. The way it works out is that, let's be honest for just a second. When you're at work, you know, eight hours, 10 hours, let's say you work a huge amount and you're like 12 hours a day, you're at work. Unless you're in crunch and you're you can do that for, you know, three weeks or a month or two months and then you're exhausted and you can't do it anymore and you go into depression. Mm. You're not going to be working 12 hours. That's not true, right? You're not actively going to be working 12 hours nonstop. You're going to be spending some time by the water dispenser. You're going to go chat with your friends. You're going to be browsing Facebook like so. So. The biggest example of this, I think, is in uh, Japan, where I spent a few years in Japan and love the country. But some of the things that are (laughs) questionable, it's like you always have this image of Japanese people work so much. Absolutely. I was going to use as an
0: example. They look down on us for our our paltry little 40 hours, right?
1: That there is no greater scam in the world of employmentship then the idea that japanese people work a lot it could not be further from the truth what they do is that they show up early to look good with their uh you know That's coworkers wrong. <laughs> yeah exactly no, it's not even it's it's peer pressure it's oh, the coworkers okay um and they the, the the first few years of japanese employment is spent learning how to look like you're working without actually working <laughs> Leaving all your work for as late as possible and then claiming that you have so much work that you need to stay for uh, overtime and being paid the overtime. Oh. And then you also have Japan is messed up and they have a lot of problems and, because then they have to go out and drink with their with their co-workers. No one wants to do it. No one. Oh. But still they do it. And if they don't, they will scold their co-workers for not doing it. It's like a weird brainwashing system that is very unhealthy. But the point is, you think Japanese people work a lot. It is not. I mean, I'm sure there are some people who work a lot, but overall, it's not true. And if you look at productivity, French employees are much more productive than most other uh, nationalities, including Americans, I'm pretty sure.
0: Interesting. Uh, I I'd normally ask you to back that up with facts and charts. Uh, <laughs> as, as far as... Well, uh, let me look it up. Okay. Are, but those, go ahead. Those kind of numbers may be available. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. As much as I'm fascinated and, and intrigued by your statements about the, uh, the Japanese uh, work ethic, are you sure that it isn't the experience in one or two companies that you experienced, and maybe that's not true across the board? pretty it, sure yes okay cuz it's it's like a well-known thing there that that's
1: yeah i mean if anyone who studies uh the the um japanese culture and japanese at some point you're going to f- get to that uh to that Reality. realization and yeah it's okay. uh it, it's i'm i'm very confident that that's the case and you know i've studied japan in university i've lived there for a few years i've been there many times it's yeah i'm i i will fight anyone who claims that's not true. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm very confident. Sorry. And uh, so on Wikipedia, we have a list of countries uh, by GDP per person, per hour worked. So I don't know how, you know, it also depends on the, um, the you know, the, the value of the uh, currency and all of this and the, the economy specific to the country. So it's not completely uh, entirely relate, uh, reliable, but... On that chart, uh, France is number six uh, on the list of countries. They have like 60 countries on there. Uh, and some of them have different currencies. The first ones are Norway, Luxembourg, United, United States in third nope. place. So uh, there I, you go. Yeah, yeah. I might have been a little bit quick to judge. Belgium in fourth See, place. Um, Belgians. Yeah. And and then Netherlands. And of course, the, the really interesting one, I think, is the uh, EU eurozone countries, because those have the same currency and value and everything. I mean, most of them. So, yeah, you have uh, Belgium, Netherlands, France, Germany below France, not by a lot, but still Ireland, Australia, Denmark, Sweden, Australia, uh, Austria, UK, significantly below uh, France. Uh, and that's from 2013. So And then I don't know what that means. In uh,
0: I didn't hear. Where did Japan come in that list?
1: uh, Japan is 21st. Wow! And keep in mind, their economy is much stronger than ours. So twenty first with forty three. Is it euros? Uh, I don't know what the currency is, but yeah.
0: So So anyway, no, you could look at it this way. You have a lot of unemployed people. The people you have employed are going are working really well, right? (laughs) They're working very efficiently.
1: and I think it's important to put this working really, really hard. Well, I changed know, it from contact, hard to
0: right? well. Yes. Right? Exactly, At the last exactly. minute I turned because I could hear it yeah, coming.
1: <laughs> exactly. Because I think a lot of people will think, well, you're you're working that way. But if you're, you know, people will think, well, that means working a lot. And that's not the case. I mean, maybe the U.S. is... is has is having the best of every world um but certainly i don't think friends can be uh french employees can't be accused of not working um,
0: yeah yeah we, you know i was also thinking as you the, were describing this saying how hard we work as the united states is is such a a funny statement because if i've learned anything in my uh in my uh long life it's that you can't say anything definitively about the United States. Uh, I, I worked for a company in California and we uh, ended up having offices in Texas. And I know there's somebody from Texas sitting here, but I'm not, I'm telling you, those people don't work hard at all. The people in our company that were in Dallas. Oh, my goodness. It was ridiculous. I mean, we'd be in the middle of a conversation and they'd look at their watches and go five o'clock and stand up. And, you know, this is we're not hourly workers at all. And they and it's like I flew across the country, left my family at home to have this meeting. And you're just going to walk out at five o'clock. We go, oh, yeah, it's when we go home. And it's like, well, we would never do that in, in, in California if somebody yeah. had flown out there. So I got a I got a very bad taste. And now now what I've done, of course, is maligned the entire state of Texas yeah, based on yeah, exactly. one group yeah. within a 60,000 person company. So, you know, it's it's fully valid, though, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: I'm sure you know I'm sure you can have examples of people slacking in France and in the u s and in every country, and you have people working like literally working sixteen hours days uh you know super hard every day um everywhere as well. I think we're it's more on averages and in in those in that context uh I think for French workers, we work less hours but maybe efficiently enough that we make up for it and we, you know, we, we still have some fairly dynamic uh, workforce and economy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been really interesting, Patrick. I really, I, I, I love learning from you. And, and by the way, people listening here, this is why I listen to the Phillies Club is because I learned stuff I didn't expect to learn. And uh, I, I think it's just fascinating learning about the the, uh, the cultural differences and uh, and how the tech angle is working. And it sounds like uh, the the changes that Macron is proposing could uh, make a big difference in the tech industry. So we're gonna we're gonna have to keep an eye out for you guys. Oh, I did want to say one more thing. I, I like this because I I get weary of people who complain about services that were invented in the United States not being available in their country, and I'm sure it's frustrating. I just want to shout out. Well, invent some stuff yourself, then. You know, why does it? Why do we have to do it for everybody? So I can't yell at France now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I'm sure there are always reasons to yell at France. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. Uh, it's it's always frustrating when we have uh, things that are available somewhere and not somewhere else. Um, there, well, we could launch into an entire, you know, different conversation about all of this. Uh, Let's say when when they have that you hear people saying this. I'm sure you can find things that they have that you don't get in the U.S. In France, for example, I would uh, I would say it's more difficult for you guys in the U.S. to find delicious delicious uh, cheeses.
0: I was just gonna and say that the cheese. That's the thing, right? Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. <laughs> And we
0: whine you know, about I, it, right?
1: We say cheese, but I would say. A really interesting thing. If we, this is not about tech anymore, but food culture, we sort of alluded to it earlier. But um, having the the different, having had the different experiences I've had recently, especially with you know my wife and coming to to spend a lot more time in Finland, uh, and in the U.S food culture, I was joking that it's uh, being acquired in France by osmosis. Uh, You don't even really need to learn about it, but it's, it's, I think it's kind of true. You know, we, we learn how to eat well and, and how to eat properly without even thinking about it. And we don't, we don't, and again, an entirely different conversation that I would be happy to have at some point (laughs) in another uh, venue, but, um, yeah, we'll we'll be fine. Hopefully, we will also have some tech things uh, that will work out. Oh, we we had uh, Daily Motion, uh, which is not working out too well, unfortunately. But uh, that is also a French company.
0: Oh, there you go, there you go. Well, this is yeah. this has been fantastic. I really enjoyed this. This is as much fun as I was hoping it would be. Uh, so I, I mentioned Frenchbin. dot com. Why, why don't you describe what the shows are there?
1: Uh, sure. So you, I think, I mean, we have uh, uh, Pixels, which is a show about gaming, but probably your audience might be interested in, in the Fidesz Club, which you mentioned a couple of times. Um, and and we certainly tried to have, you mentioned it was a political show. It's, be, it's been very political recently, uh, but usually it's more like uh, I try to make it into a news show, meaning that we get people from different countries, different cultures, different points of view to get together and discuss things. Um, and usually we get people from... Two two, three, four different countries, uh, and even sometimes we get people that have different opinions from uh, the same country. I've had people from France uh, that to discuss things like, you know, what it is to be a, a left-leaning person in France, uh, to explain this, you know, to French people and to uh, people who are listening. A lot of them are from the, the U.S., and we try to listen to what people have to say, of course, we don't always agree, uh, mm-hmm. but we at least listen, which is, I think, something which is really Unusual. missing <laughs> from the, the yeah the, the types of conversations we're having today. So that's what we try to do on the Phileas Club, and it's available, as you said, at Frenchspin uh, dot com. And I am not Patrick, not Patrick on Twitter. It's yeah, it's confusing, but <laughs> it's, it's hard just to say, not right? Patrick.
0: Uh, but yeah. you all, you also have a w- one of the shows is in French, right? Le Rendezvous Tech.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's at uh, frenchspin.fr, uh, and I have a number of French shows there, one of them being uh, bi-monthly, uh, every twice a month, um, uh, tech show in French, which uh, I've been doing for a number of years and is supported by Patreon and is actually the reason I'm uh, able to be a professional podcaster. So if you speak French or if you want to speak French and you enjoy tech, it's probably a good way to practice because you know half the terms already. So uh, go check it out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Your your words like Intel jump out of the middle of the sentence, right? Exactly. All right. Well, thanks for spending the time with us. I really appreciate you being on the show, Patrick. It was fantastic.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This show is not supported by ads. It's supported by you. If you learn from the show or even if you're just merely entertained by the shows, please consider supporting the show. If you go to podfeet.com, there's a big red button in the top banner that says support the show. If you click it, that will reveal to you several ways to contribute. You can pledge a monthly amount using Patreon. You can use the Amazon affiliate link for your country. You can make a one-time donation using PayPal, or you can record a listener review, which is an awesome way to contribute. You can always chat directly with me via Twitter at podfeet or email me at allison at podfeet.com. You can join the conversation in Facebook by going to podfeet.com slash Facebook or on Google Plus at podfeet.com slash Google Plus. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.